Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. And good afternoon for our brothers and sisters and our guests and everybody um, participating online. This is another great day to be in the house of God. Brethren, as you've heard, the title of the message is Cry Aloud. Cry Aloud. So man thinks he's God. The first humans on earth, Adam and Eve, gave God the finger and decided to do things their way and make decisions about living life on this planet. This is a quote from a social media posting I read this week. And guess who wrote these words. Those are the words of Sister Olivia. So now that you know, let me quote it again. So man thinks he's God. The first humans on earth, Adam and Eve, gave God the finger and decided to do things their way and make decisions about living life on this planet. When I read what Sister Olivia posted on social media, it also reminded me of the late Lucky Dubé, a South African songwriter. And in one of his songs, he has this refrain. Living in, living in this crazy world. 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 Brethren, the world in which we live has gone berserk. It's gone wrong. It is out of control. But if we say the world is out of control, we are only speaking from our perspective. From our perspective, The world is out of control. But by the evil intent of the heart of the unregenerate man, the world is on course. It's actually fulfilling the desires of the mastermind, the adversary, the chief architect of evil. Everything is going according to his plan. 
But we see, as people of God, we see the world is out of control. But he's on point. The world is following its script to a dead end. The reason we may be shocked about what is happening might be, I dare say, that maybe we expect too much of the world. We have some higher expectations of the world. And so, if we have higher expectations and they are not being fulfilled, then we will think, oh, things are out of control. Does the Bible promise that the world will get better? That things are going to get all rosy and righteousness would abound everywhere and we'll live in, in, in the peace that comes from God? Do we have that promise from the Word of God? Does the Word of God promise that this world will love the people of God. Have we read that we will be loved by this world as the people of God? Should we have a reasonable expectation that this world will pursue the righteousness of God? Under these questions, brethren, today, my prayer and my hope is that we will live here with very, very little expectation of this world. That we will live here Today, being rather encouraged by Christ's prayer for us, which was prearranged some 2,000 years ago. And that prayer was ahead of its time. My other prayer and hope is that we will live here today with a strong desire to dislodge any allegiance that we might remotely hold to this world and its affairs. And I'm also hoping and praying that we will live today with a renewed focus to cry aloud. To cry aloud like a trumpet. And loud let it sound. Because our deliverance draws near. And that Christ the King is coming again. Maranatha. Christ is coming again. So, brethren. In doing this today, my dears, brothers and sisters, 
I would make some statements that require you to reflect, requires that you reflect on them. I will make some statement that might be unsettling to some persons in the face of it. But when they are seen in the context of the word of God, we would be at peace. Brethren, there is a war raging. It is a battle for the heart and soul of mankind. It is a war to overthrow Yahweh, the king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, to overthrow him as the only sovereign. This is where I love my sister's posting. That I said, so man thinks he's God? Yes, man actually thinks he's God. And that's a, a plethora of religious beliefs and understanding out there now. New age thinking that makes man God. And we, we've talked about some of them here, but I would draw your attention to some of them again. Yes, man believes that he is his own God. The self has been elevated to the Godhead. So no matter how the war may manifest, it is essentially a war designed to rather enthrone our adversary in the place of the creator. That is the war. Brethren, let's try to draw the battle lines. If there's a war, then let's try to see if we can uh, get a sense of the battle line. But before we do that, let's get to this scripture. 1 Timothy 6, 5, from 14 and 15. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and if I read from verse number 14, let me read from 13, just to give it a, a little bit of background. I urge you in the sight of God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and the only potent, potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom we honor 
to whom be honor, sorry, and everlasting power. Amen. When he said put, put, potentate, let me read it another version for you to get the alternate word. Because that is what is common and that's what I want to use to capture your attention. He who is blessed and the only sovereign one. He who is blessed and the only, only sovereign one. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. So just before we, we, we draw the button lines, I just want this to be deep in our mind that in this universe there's only one sovereign there's only one supreme being there's only one supreme authority and that has the ability and the power to determine the course of things Now, we're going to look at the prayer that Christ did for the disciples back of old, some 2,000 years ago, thereabout, and also for the other disciples like you and I, who the end of this world have met us in this circumstance. And it will be for others if we do not meet Christ, the others that will follow would still be captured in the same prayer because it was a prayer that was forward looking. But we're not going to read the entire prayer. Let's settle on John the 17th chapter. John the 17th chapter. And we know that Christ offered this prayer for those that were immediately around him and then also projected it for you and I. Let me cut to verse 6, because I'm going to pick some verses that capture a distinction. Verse 6, I have manifested your name, so Christ is praying, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. So you see, there was people that were removed from 
the world. So the world stay behind. And he has these people out of the world. And those are the people that God the Father gave to Jesus Christ. And they have kept his word. Verse 9. I pray for them. I'm praying for these people that you have removed out of the world. I pray for them. I don't, or I do not pray for the world. I'm not praying, I'm not offering this prayer for the ones that are left behind. They're not my focus. I'm praying for those that have been sifted out from among the people. But those whom you have given me, for they are yours. I'll skip to verse 11 and then 12. Now I am no longer in the world. But these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept and none of them is lost except the son of perdition. That the scripture might be fulfilled. So while Christ was here, he kept the ones that God gave him. He put them under his care and didn't lose one except the one that was determined prophetically that he would be counted out of that fold. 14 to 18. Let's continue. I have given them your word. And the world. Has hated them. Because they are not. Of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Brethren, this is where I'm showing the battle lines. And it's not clear yet. But I just want you to see that there is a world 
There is a life outside of us. There is a people who are outside of the calling right now of God. So the people that have responded to Christ, they are separated from the rest. And so broadly speaking, the world to Peter at the time that Christ was speaking will look different to him than the world that I look at now. But in broad strokes, it is referring to the people outside of those that have been called and chosen of God. And everybody else that is left is not in the world. And Christ said, I'm not part of the world. And so they also are not part of the world. Because they are mine. So that clears a little bit for us. But we're going to continue to draw the battle lines. The next thing that we would see. Let's look at the same John. Anyways, let's, let's, the, the same John. Let's now move to John 14. John 14, going back, and 27. Listen, because now Christ is giving kind of the parting words between him and the disciples and assuring them, and he said something in 27 of chapter 14. He said, peace, I live with you. To the disciples. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives. The peace that Jesus Christ is leaving with his disciples. Is not the type of peace that the world. The people outside of the chosen group. That people cannot give that kind of peace. So the peace that we would have is totally different from any other type of peace outside of us that anybody will talk about. That is not the peace Christ left with us. He gave us his peace. His peace. And so because of that peace, our hearts are not supposed to be troubled And we're not supposed to be afraid. Because the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will fill your hearts. And you cannot be afraid. Even in the face of calamity, even in the face of persecution, you've got the peace of God right in you. And you are not worried. What I want to establish here is that it's still, we're still drawing the battle lines. You have some peace. It's different from the world peace. So when you hear somebody say, oh, let's pray for world peace. Are they, are they asking us that the peace that Christ left for us? Or they are, they are trying to conjecture another form of peace. Okay. Let's move on. <clears throat> 
We're still drawing the battle lines. Chapter 15, the same John. Chapter 15, we're reading 18 to 20. And he said, if the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world will love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Twenty. If, sorry, verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Did they persecute him? Yes. Did they keep his word? No. So are they going to persecute that? Yes. Are they going to keep our word? No. And you know the world. Because Christ said, you see, look. If they hate you, if you have a group of people that come at you and they hate you, and they want to destroy you, and they want to tear you apart, just know that it happened to me. And you know that you and I, belong to the same spot. We don't belong to the world because if we were part of it, of course they will love their own. You don't know how the, lo- the world loves their people? You didn't watch TV this week? I don't watch TV, but did you watch TV or did you read some news about some star that belongs to the world that they love? But do they love you? What do they say about you? If something happens to you, what would the world say about it? So, there is the battle line drawn here that there's going to be hatred from the world. And here you see, we're going to continue, and you here I'm trying to focus you on just two polarities. Just look at it from, in this message, just two polarizing positions. You, out of the world, and then the world. There's so many different entities in that world, but at least two. You, the world, the world who hates you. They won't listen to the word of God. And then when we start bringing it home, then you start thinking. Now, let's finally, in terms of drawing the battle lines, let's look at another John. First John.
Let's go to First John chapter 2. And we're going to take it from 15 to 24. If you're there, let's go. Verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because if any man loves the world, and me inserting it here, and the things that are in the world, then the love of the Father is not in that person. The battle lines are there. You are here. If you love here, you are in, on the left side. If you love the right, that is the world, then you have departed from the Father. Because the Father's love is not in you. For all that is in the world, definition, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All of them, not of the Father, but is of the world. 17. And the world passes away. That's what I said. The world is inching gradually to a dead end. This world will pass away and the last thereof. But he does, the one who do the will of God will abide forever. The one that will be chosen out of the world and abide with God. He would exist forever. 18. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now, 2,000 years ago. Even now. So now we will say even now. Even then. Even at that time, were many antichrists, plural, whereby you know that it is the last time. They went out from us. Those antichrists, they went out of the community. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not of us. In order that everybody would know who they are, that's why they went out so that they would be known. You become a spectacle to everybody. But you have an unction from the Holy One. 
and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? Keep this carefully. Who is a liar? But he that denied that Jesus is the Christ. That Yeshua is the Messiah. That person is a liar. If he denies that Jesus is the Christ. That group, that entity, that person, he is Antichrist. Americans say Antichrist. So he that denies that Christ, uh, Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist that denied the Father and the Son. If you deny the Father, you deny the Son. If you deny the Son, you deny the Father. Whosoever denied the Son, the same has not the Father. But he that acknowledged the Son has the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. My brethren, this is how we see the battle lines. The world against the people of God. So, when we make reference that we're living in a crazy world, because man thinks that he is God, Man has all the time thought that he is God. Man outside of God has always thought that he is in charge and he is in control. Brethren, we live in a crazy world. We live in a world gone out of control. And you may be hearing things and you may be seeing things and you may be reading things and you're wondering... What is this? This is where you go get focus. That there's such a thing as the world. And it's contrary to us. And because it is contrary to us, and it is because they don't have the word of God, their ways, their choices, their dispositions, their affairs, their systems are all outside of God. I'm going to point you to something, especially when First John talk about the anti. Antichrist. And even in John's days, he said there are many Antichrists around. You know of any Antichrist now? 
in this our dispensation? Rebecca, do you know of any Antichrist? Good. Um, who else? Brother Ray, you know of any Antichrist? <laughs> Lots of them. I don't want anybody to think at this point about Islam. Because it's Antichrist. Everybody knows that. They would try and want to elevate Christ, but they use the right hand to try to... Um, the, the, how do I do it? They use the right hand to elevate him, and they use the left hand to push him down. They, they, don't, they don't know what they're talking about. It's Antichrist because they deny the son. He's not even a son. That alone, they can't even take it. He's not a son. And God is not even a father. How can he have a son? And the elemental thing that every Islamic person learns, and I knew this back as a young person, because we knew that they went to a place that we call it at that time, I don't know whether that's how it's said, but we, we, we say they go to the Makaranta, and then that's where they learn these things. And the first line that we know they learned there at that time is that God has no, um, God has no wife, God has no son. God has no wife, God has no son. God has no wife, God has no son. So by the time that child becomes 10, there's no way you're going to tell him that somebody called the son of God. So it's Antichrist. But is there any other Antichrist over there? And this is where I said, when I make some statement, you have to reflect on them. Right now, in our dispensation, a system of worship called Judaism, is it Antichrist or not? It's Antichrist. And if we're not careful, we would say, oh, we are Judeo-Christians, and then we stop there. And I'm going to read to you a quote. This is a quote from JewsForJudaism.org. And this is the very first page. They said other things, but just a paragraph to capture. It said, Close up scrutiny, however revealed that a great conspiracy and tampering of evidence. Not one verse from the Tanakh proved the messiahship of Jesus. On the contrary, our Jewish sages for two millennium have had ample time to analyze and decipher all 2,000, sorry, all 22,000 plus verses in the Tanakh and have concluded that Jesus did not fulfill any of his prophecies, nor are there any passages that unambiguously allude to his life or ministry. On the contrary, 
we will discover how the New Testament distorts and contorts Tanakh to make it, quote, bend to their appropriate agenda to prove their belief about Jesus. Let's see. And then they go on and they're trying to show you. This is anti-Christ system. This is now in the world. So you know why you may have to cry aloud. So that anti-Christ system, what do we have to offer them? Judaism is huge and is big. But it's anti-Christ. Because they don't like Christ. I've met one of them on the street of downtown. And he's doing the same kind of argument. Kabbalah. It's anti-Christ. Kabbalah. I have sample Kabbalah. They, they have an open house. I went to one of the open houses. And you can't go beyond the open house because everything they sell. <laughs> and I wasn't ready to invest in getting that kind of understanding. I think you can learn a lot online. But Kabbalah is an, just an esoteric form of some Judaic understanding. They reduce God to just an energy. They talk about the Shabbat. And this is what they say about the Shabbat. It says, according to the wisdom of Kabbalah, Shabbat is the most powerful day of the week. A time when the spiritual and the physical worlds are united. On Shabbat, we have the opportunity to transform our reality using specific prayers and food to connect to the available cosmic energy. Shabbat is a time to come together in joy with a community of warm, like-minded individuals sharing laughter, songs, and delicious kosher food. Come experience the merriment of the Shabbat meal and the connection with us while you mix and mingle with other students and make new friends. This is cosmic energy. And the reason you know man is God is that there are other religions that can make you do rituals in order for you to connect with the cosmic energy. And then you become God too. Man, thought that he's God. Self. The true self, that is God. To them. Now, scriptures. Brethren, I'm saying these because if you're not careful, you're going to cut. Um, what's the expression? Cut them some slack. There are some people and some groups that you may cut them some slack. You say, oh, I mean, it's okay. 
But when we stay focused on the word of God, it's sharper, double-edged sword, sharper, cutting to the dividing of a thunder. It's not wobbling. It's sharp, and it breaks it into what is true and what is not true. We have structures that exist in this world. And we think that they are good. And so when, quote unquote, they fail, we start mourning and we start lamenting because we think they are good. And we expect more from it. And when we're not getting it, we lament. But everything here is bad. So you can't expect anything from the world. That's the point I want to make. That you might think that there are entities in the world that are good. And so you're expecting goodness out of it. You're expecting righteousness out of it. So when you read, and what my sister was referring to, that horrendous law about infanticide, partial birth, abortion, they call it. And people are outraged. Why are you outraged? Because, were you expecting something good from there? You'll be outraged if we're expecting something. I don't expect anything good from there. It doesn't matter the people in that world whether they say in this world we are the right or we are the left. It doesn't matter. As long as they are there, it doesn't matter. Because if they are not there, then they're going to be here. And here there's no left and right. It's all righteousness. So don't cut anybody in the world any slack by thinking that there's some goodness in them. There's no goodness in the world that you and I should expect Except that when we don't find it, we think something's gone wrong. Everything has gone wrong all the time. And it hurts me because the way the world is going, I mean, the system of things, we need to be very discerning as the people of God. Very, very extremely discerning to see things before they happen. To understand the times. Because Christ said, you see, you people, when you live in Bellington, I don't know their signs in Bellington, but when you see the skies gather maybe on the, on the highway, you say it's going to rain. And it rains. Because you live here, you understand it. And Christ said, well, if you can discern the face of the sky and you know that it's going to rain and it rains, why can't you discern the signs of the times of his coming? That is where we are, that we need to be very sharp in the word and in the spirit of God that we are able to discern where things are going. 
and how we were going to position ourselves. Brethren, and if there's anybody listening that's an American, I'm going to give you an American situation. And it's political. But the reason I give that is because of Daniel chapter 2, verse 40 to 44. And you know that Daniel chapter 2 talks about the world foretold. We know the kingdoms that are going to arise and we know how it's going to end with the coming of Jesus the Christ. So, it is one government, the government of God, coming to overthrow all human world governments. He's not, Christ is not coming to adopt a government that we are practicing now and take it as his own. It's not going to happen. What that means is that every government of man that is happening now is out of sync with the word of God. So I don't understand why anybody would praise any of the system of government that we have now. As if we have an expectation that they will do good. That they will love us. That they would welcome us and heed the word of God. When those people are in the world practicing their system of government, they know how to play us. What do I say that these people will push me into power? What do I say to that community? That they would push me into power. That's what they know. But they're not seeking any righteousness of God in the community. Period. It's not going to happen. So we can look to them forever and ever. And they cannot produce any righteous government. The righteous government has to come from somewhere. And it comes and kick them. And uproot them. And it becomes the everlasting kingdom. If there's any government that will be remain, the Bible is requiring that system to go and come and submit to the government of Jesus Christ. And if they choose not to come and submit to the government of Jesus Christ, judgment. On that system. So no system here. That's good. And once I, I talk about that. And that's why I'm going to say. I'm going to give that American example. If I say fascism. Everybody say fascism is bad. If I say communism. Every say communism is terrible. If I say uh, aristocracy. Everyone say no, no, no. But everybody thinks democracy is good. And if you are American, 
You think democracy is the best that man has ever seen? Yes, here. But are we aspiring to be the best we can be as men? Are we aspiring to be in the things of God? So here, democracy, which America has been successful to practice it, Britain practiced it, uh, American used it, it's been sold to the world, it's helping other parts of the world, but don't have expectation for democracy. As if we're going to be practicing democracy and one day we'll be in the kingdom of God. It's not ain't going to happen. Because it's not set up to make it happen. Anybody understand democracy? Anybody can define democracy? Yes, Americans have defined it. What does it mean? It is a government of who? The people. And who did it? By the people. And for who? The people. So we sat down and we develop a system by ourselves, for ourselves, through ourselves. Where is God in that? Nowhere. Nowhere. You can read any constitution in the world. And what you will see, some constitution will say, in the name of Almighty God. But the moment they finish everything they say, it's against God. And I'm going to give you some example here. I chose my other country, Ghana. We are now practicing democracy. And in our constitution, the preamble says, in the name of Almighty God, we the people of Ghana, in exercise of our natural and alienable right to establish a framework of government which will secure for ourselves and posterity the blessings of liberty, equality, of opportunity, and prosperity. No, 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 no. In the name of God, but we're going to do it ourselves. That doesn't work here. And before I move on, I'll, I'll introduce another so, sovereign, sovereign people. Oh, this is a sovereign nation. Sovereignty? <laughs> That's a very interesting term. Sovereignty. When I was in high school, I did a, a subject called government. And that's one of the subjects, one of the topics in government, sovereignty. And then we have to do an essay called location of sovereignty. Where in the space of any nation do you locate sovereignty? And then we try to locate sovereignty in parliament, in this and that. And as we're doing it, then we see it's going to fail. Sovereignty? The sovereign will. Where does it reside? In Ghana, in our constitution. It said, the sovereignty of Ghana resides in the people of Ghana. So, Ghanaians are sovereign. And we read Timothy. 
What does it say? The only sovereign. And him, as a Ghanaian, I'm a sovereign. I have ultimate authority. Really? Yes. And that's why we do the things we do. And that's why we get laws that we want passed for us. Because we've got the will. We've got the power. And we can tell the politicians who exercise delegated sovereign on our behalf, we tell them, we want this law because we are 50 plus one and we need it. And they pass it. Are you expecting something from the world? This is the structure. And this is how it's going to play all the time. As long as you get the numbers, you get what you want. Because the will is residing, supreme will reside in the people. And what the people say they want, that is what they get. This is not in this Bible. That you get up in this Bible and you say, this is what I want, and you get it. Where's God? So you are God. You can determine your will and what you want. You can look at Kenyan constitution. They say the same thing. Acknowledge the supremacy of the almighty God. But everything is not about God. And then sovereignty. All sovereign power belongs to the people of Kenya. Where is God? How do you acknowledge God and say that if the people are the sovereign? It It doesn't add up. And the American example. Preamble to U.S. Constitution. We the people. We the people. We determine. The same language. You heard it. We people of Kenya. We people of Ghana. We the people. In U.S. Constitution. So we set up systems that are not intended to do the righteousness of God. But now we, we, we people who should be discerning are now expecting that system to produce the righteousness of God. How is that going to happen? How is that going to happen? So we have to see the battle lines that have been drawn. And the battle line is drawn that there are people that God has removed out of this world and everybody in the world, they're doing what they want. So we can't expect anything good from them. Because they don't have the word. And they don't know God. I don't know if I'll have time to do this, but I had the 2017 inaugural speech, except of Donald Trump. And I have the 2013 Obama inaugural speech, except. Brethren, they know what the life here is about. And i read just one for you from um, Donald Trump. And he says, Today's ceremony, however, has very special meaning. Because today... We are not merely transferring power from one administration to the other or from one party to the other, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, 
American people. Who are the sovereigns? The people. Even the power back to them. So we, the people project that started, he thinks that it's gone berserk. It's gone to the elites and they are controlling. So he's come to give it back to the people. Where it was and where it's going, it's all in the world. None of that is going to help anybody. And if you go home, you can Google the speech and go through it with a discerning mind and see if there's anything in it. An American is always an American who says, God bless America. But it's a spice. Despise everything you say. But do what you say mean that you bless God. So we have Obama. We the people still believe. We the people still believe. We the people still believe. We the people declare today. Those are beginning of paragraphs. In his speech. What is he trying to do? To acknowledge you. As the sovereign. Because that's what the constitution says. We the people. Of the United States. In order to form a more perfect union. Establish justice. Ensure domestic tranquility. Provide for the common defense. Promote the general welfare. And secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. You can't get the righteousness from the world. Brethren, so what do we do then? Let's end with that. What do we do? Do we look on that the world destroy itself? Is there anything that we can try to do? That is where we read Isaiah 58. Cry aloud. Do not hold back. People of God... People that have been removed from the world. Cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression. To the house of Jacob their sins. Put it in their face. Tell them what they're doing wrong. Tell them what is evil. Tell them what is profane. Tell them what is unclean. Call them the sin of the people. Because there's no expectation of them to do anything good and they can't help themselves. We need to point out the evil in the society. Let everybody know what is going on wrong. Point it to the leadership. Point it to the ordinary person. Point it to the law enforcement people. Let them know where things have gone wrong. Don't go and create an alliance with them and thinking, if only we did this, then we will be okay. Nothing will be okay in the world. 
we need to be out of the world. Because there's enmity between those that are out of the world and those that are still in the world. And that's why they hate us. Everything that's going on, every law that is being passed, is against you and I. And Christians, everybody where you are, listen to this. If you're a, a, a species called Christian, not a Christian in name, but a Christian following the dictates of the word of God, going by the word of God, Sabbath-keeping, law-abiding people holding on to this book, you are an endangered species. And lest we forget, America has been a great promoter of the Christian cause. No doubt about that. When I was a young boy, we used to spend our time at the general post office. Where, like, we have mailboxes here. This is like thousands of mailboxes where everybody go get their mail. And you will see somebody open their mail and have all these books and Bibles and parcels. And you see they've got some tracts and Bible from the United States. Please, can I get the address? Can I get the address? You also want to write and get something from the United States. And there were kids who were collecting books that we don't even read. America spent money and resources to promote the Christian cause. But listen, at the height of American Christianity, you, everybody in this room, Sabbath keeping, we would be in jail. We would have been in jail. Go to all the states and listen to the Sunday law that was passed. And they didn't pass Sunday law because they want to keep Sunday. They passed Sunday law because they want to keep the Sabbath on Sunday. And it was so strict. But if you keep the Sabbath on Saturday, you are in violation of the state law. And you were in jail. Jews were in prison. This is history. So sometimes, I don't know whose cause we are promoting, or we want to promote, or we want to side with. But this species, law-abiding, Sabbath-keeping people, we are endangered species. There's nobody in this world that is looking for your interest. Nobody. The ground swell. Has not been built up yet. So you, you think you are okay. We're not. The time is coming. When the very people who will be in that space call themselves the Christians, they're the ones that are going to be looking for you to put you in jail. You got to see these things before they happen. Because they will happen. We have no friends anywhere in the world space. We got to look up. We have to embed ourselves in the prayer of Jesus Christ. That he's praying for us. Not for the world. And if the world hates us, we should know, thank our God, that he hated Jesus Christ first. 
and we should be counted worthy that we are suffering like just Jesus Christ. We can find any solace here. Brethren, the songwriter that I quoted, he ended that song, Living in a Crazy World. And that's an old prayer um, that he, he used to finish his song. And he said, O oh Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. If you and I, in the course of standing for our God and his word, if you lay down, Trust your spirit, the one who can bring you back into a fair truth, resurrection. That is our hope. That is our hope. This world is not our home. This world is not our friend matter what the entity in the world is, they're not our friend. What a friend we have in Yahshua the Christ. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, most righteous God, your children humble ourselves before you on this your holy Sabbath day. Father, of all generations, you have been our refuge. So we seek you. We seek you. Because we need you. In this time when the world in which you left us in is out of control. And it's perplexing, Father. But if we would trust your word... Because you said, sanctify us by your word. Your word is truth. We plead with you this afternoon that you will let this word sanctify us, keep us apart from the chaff that is around us and make us walk the narrow path to our safety and our deliverance which is soon to appear in Yahshua the Christ. Eternal God, may all of us find peace in our hearts. And we say all this in the name of our soon coming King, Jesus the Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.